0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegal.com. Also streaming to you live at israelnationalradio.com slash radio Arut Sheva from the Holy Land and around the world. And welcome to another Thursday morning of a political talk. We got a great show coming up. We're going to just talk about all kinds of different things. Uh, but first and foremost, the last the last republican primary debate of 2015 and uh that that's kind of it it's not the last debate before the iowa caucuses but it is the last debate of 2015 and if it feels to you as if this race has just been going on for so long that those who are following politics are so familiar with all the candidates out there that who needs another debate to actually really change anything. Not much is really changing from these debates. It's kind of what's changing is who's in the big debate, who's in the kitty debate, as it's known the pre prime time, the regular prime time. And, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just really breathtaking. The, the hype, I will say it's the hype around these debates, particularly with the persona of Trump and these huge his huge personality but there's also a lot of talent amongst the republican candidates and a lot of that is kind of being subsumed between these debates as we lurch as the race kind of goes from debate to debate And one thing we're not hearing about at all is really anything on the Democratic side, which is pretty, uh, the Republican primary is really overshadowing the Democratic race right now because it just seems that it is so lopsided. At one point, everybody thought Bernie Sanders was going to be a player, was going to be a factor. Uh, It remains to be seen whether he actually will be in that. But first, and I alluded to this yesterday when I was on with Nahum, uh, we need to talk about things a little closer to home. What I mean is New York State. Uh, and I have to say that items like public corruption, uh, they may not bother a lot of people out there, but they bother me intensely. And, you know, these cases are on appeal. And what I'm talking about is the, the phenomenon of two legislative leaders on trial, convicted of corruption at the same time, pretty much, which is just extraordinary. And I don't think it's happened. I mean, there are a lot of states that have corruption issues, but none seem to be able to take the cake like New York State. And why should this matter to you if you don't live in New York State? Well, you know, there's a reason I think that many people don't vote and don't participate in the political process. And for whatever reason, I'm not saying it's all attributable to corruption, but some of it is certainly attributable to the confidence that they have in their elected officials. And when elected officials are doing things for themselves and they end up going to jail for it, it certainly uh, it certainly diminishes all of our confidence in the system. And when they diminish your confidence in the system, people don't want to participate in the system anymore because they feel that it's rigged. Uh, so we're going to pick up the pieces a little bit. I want to welcome back my friend, former state senator, uh, a man who spent some time in Albany, Craig Johnson, was a senator from Long Island for a couple of years, and now in private practice at the law firm of Denton's very uh, large and significant law firm. And he is also the chairman of Democratic Democrats for education reform, education reform, an important issue out there. Craig Johnson, welcome back to spin class.
1: Michael, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate the time.
0: So you know we hate to dance uh, on anybody's uh, on anybody's convicted on anybody's conviction let's put it that way uh, and obviously it so let's just not talk about the individuals for a second let's just talk about the institution you served you served in the state Senate you served in Albany how does it make you feel as a former Albany person when to have this level I mean there have been a lot of people going to jail there've been a lot of members who have gone to jail and the adages it's more likely to be convicted of a crime than to be defeated for reelection as a, if you're an assemblyman or a state senator. But how does it make you feel as a former official to ha- to be kind of, uh, are, are you, do you feel besmirched by the events that have happened with Dean Skelos and Sheldon Silver?
1: I, I think it's very sad and tragic, uh, not just for themselves and their families and the loved ones, uh, but for the communities, for the folks who relied upon them who you know, in other circumstances did a lot of great works. But I think it's really troubling for the institution as a whole. And I think what it really sets up is, for a lot of people out there, it's a wonderment of, like, why should I get involved in public service? Um, if, my, if, if everything I'm going to do is going to be under a microscope, and that's what's happened, uh, is that any type of action is going to be now looked at in a particular way by the public. And now the public is distrusting and, and, and distrusting of actions that may be taken that, you know, if something is accomplished uh, for a constituency, someone may wonder, well, what did he or she get uh, for that particular action, and I think that was something that you saw uh, in connection with one of the cases with the wiretaps. Is that you know you had conversations um, by elected officials who were of pure motive and pure mind about trying to get things done, and then you had behind the scenes situations uh, and actions that really demonstrated um, you know some corruption in its purest form. And I think that. You know, as people go on the days, I think that you're going to have more and more people really hesitate about getting involved in government because they are very concerned about how their actions are going to be viewed.
0: Yeah, and I, look that colors everything that people do. I, I, you know, there was it's even on the wiretaps itself where uh, Dean Skelos' son Adam Skelos, you know, talks about the fact that everything's being monitored by by the feds, and uh, that didn't seem to stop him, but from Carrying on some pretty bizarre conversations, but a lot of people certainly. There was a state assemblyman who was wearing a wire in Albany in in session in the chamber. Uh, yep. You know that that's got to be pretty disconcerting to if you're a member trying to do the right thing, even.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you have. I mean, here Hars, I mean a majority, a super majority, almost all you could say members there are innocent in the sense of they are there to do good and to do right by their constituents and New Yorkers as a whole. And then you literally have the one or two bad apples. The problem is, is that, you know, you're finding more and more bad apples and you have to wonder when does it spoil the entire lot? Um, and now you have a growing sense of distrust amongst the members because, for example, like you indicated, there there was a member wearing a wire. And so a lot of times people, when you have, like when I have conversations with electeds, you know, the conversations always turn to who do you think is next? And that's pretty, that's pretty troubling, especially for somebody like myself who served in the state Senate for four years, served in the Nassau County Legislature for six. And it's pretty sad and it's pretty sad about where we've gone or where we've gone or we've come to, you know in such a short period of time.
0: So let's talk politics for a second because we're you know we don't want to just talk about uh, legal issues and corruption. Let's talk politics, Craig. Sure. You're a Long Island elected official. you're still a Long Island guy, and Long Island is perceived to be the battleground for control of the New York State Senate. Uh, the last uh, bastion currently right now of Republican uh, power in the state. Republicans have struggled to win any statewide elections in New York. They have no chance of taking over the assembly. They still hold the state Senate by a razor-thin uh, majority or a coalition majority, if you will. Uh, where does the Skelos conviction and immediate ouster from office leave Republicans?
1: You know, that, that's a very good question. And I think
0: that's that's
1: really what's going to be playing out over the next few months. Yeah, the expectation is that a special election is going to be called, uh, for Senator, for the, uh, seven, for the ninth senatorial district. Um, the expectation is it's going to be called the same day, uh, that the Shelley Silver seat would be held, uh, the election would be held for, and that's the, and that's April 19th, which, also, which happens to be the presidential primary day. And you're going to see, if that's the case, and if that holds, uh, holds true, you're going to have a very expensive and bloody race. For that seat, Newsday is already, you know, starting to prognosticate about who the potential candidates are. Uh, A lot of scuttlebutt about who may run on uh, on either side. But what you can expect is that because it's going to be held on the presidential primary day, a lot of money is going to be put into that Senate district. A lot of people are going to be in that Senate district, and you're going to have a very, very, very competitive race that, in my mind, you know, has the potential of getting dirty. I lived through. Uh, three Senate elections, uh, a special, and then uh, two general elections. Uh won some, lost one, and I could tell you that it will be no holds barred for both candidates um, going into the ninth. Whoever holds it, whoever wins it, then has to go into the November election. And as you recall, uh, there was an election in Brooklyn a couple of years back where uh, the seat was a Democratic seat. It was it was then, uh, I believe it was Carl Kruger's seat. Uh, a Republican won the special election and then lost in a general election. Now, his successor is, co- is a Democrat conferencing with Republicans, but still it demonstrated that even the winning the special election doesn't necessarily guarantee you holding the seat, particularly in a presidential election, uh, which you'll have in November. So I think what you're going to have is the real potential for two almost back-to-back elections. Uh, In the SD9, that's going to be very competitive, very expensive, and potentially uh, very bloody.
0: So I noticed... Senator, former Senator Craig Johnson, we're talking to now at the law firm of Dentons, a large uh, multinational, uh, multidisciplinary law firm, still has a lot of dealings with Albany. Uh, Senator Johnson, Craig Johnson, you did not mention any names when it came to candidates with regard to the D'Eschello special election. Is that on purpose? You just don't have a you, you don't have an idea who might be running, or you're right now you're just keeping it close to the vest.
1: Look, I think that you know, Newsday, you know, set forth a list of seven candidates three Democrats, four Republicans. I think the Democrats, you know, the, the, the choice, the top choice, I think, for the Democrats would have to be Assemblyman Todd Kaminsky, uh, former federal prosecutor, uh, current uh, in his first term in the Assembly, a really a rising star um, in Long Island politics, if not New York uh, state, state politics, but, you know, really smart young man. Um, I think a lot of people are talking uh, about him, and I think I mean, he hasn't really, according to the public, uh, you know, public documents, I don't think he's made a decision yet. Um, you know, the Republican side's a little bit more, you know, complicated. I think that they've mentioned four candidates, um, I believe an assemblyman, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a councilman and a couple county legislators. I think that the Republicans, are, you know, have the concern about, you know, who is the right candidate to fit that particular district. Um, I think that Denise Ford, who is a county legislator, who is a registered Democrat, but conferences with the Republicans in the Nassau County Legislature, uh, would be a very formidable candidate. Uh, I served with Denise um, when I served in the county legislature, and then in the Senate I worked with her on a couple issues involving Long Island, and she has she garners a lot of respect from both Republicans and Democrats. Um, but I don't know, you know, what her mindset would be. I think, though, this is really going to come down to, interestingly enough, the, I think the presidential primary in April 19th if the election held that day is going to have a very significant sway on turnout. Obviously, I think, and I, you know, caught your segment, you know, just about the presidential primary. The Republicans are not going to know who their candidate is on April 19th, and that's going to set the stage for a very loud and expensive primary in New York State for the Republicans. You know, you could foresee Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Donald Trump, and maybe one or two others. If Chris Christie can do well in New Hampshire and keep a campaign going uh, through April, you have potential four or five Republicans campaigning in Long Island, you know, to to secure those delegates. And so Joe Mondello and the Nassau County uh, machine is going to be working extra hard. The challenge for Democrats is they may have the better candidate, but they may not have a presidential primary. Or, I mean, you'll have one, but as you indicated, and I totally agree, Bernie Sanders really is not going anywhere. And so mm-hmm. they, they, they call, they're, they're coalescing around Hillary. By April 19th, you have the possibility mm-hmm. that Democrats may not come out naturally uh, for the presidential primary because it's over. And it's a fait accompli that Hillary would win, would win New York. That doesn't help Democratic turnout. I think what goes in the Democrats' favor, though, is they're very good at special elections. I won my special election in 2007. Daryl Albertine won in 2008 in a special election. They are, you know, the Democrats have a great ground game, uh, and they have an, an amazing ability of, of bringing people out to vote. So, you know, right now it could be a, you know, a toss uh of who could win this race, but uh, it'll be interesting and fun to watch.
0: And Craig, last question for you. Just want to be mindful of time as always. You know, we switched to a half hour show and I couldn't finish all my questions in an hour. Now I can't finish them in a half hour, certainly. But how much does the corruption issue play in with this special election? This this corruption on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, it, it's kind of fair game. But the corruption issue was a big issue in the DA's race, a countywide race in Nassau County, and clearly it was actually when it was polled, it was one. Of the, it was the number one issue for a lot of voters. Uh, nobody is the corruption is you know, it is kind of on the person. It's not on the party, but it seemed to have affected Kate Murray when she ran for district attorney uh, in a countywide race. It affected the Oyster Bay town supervisor race, not to get too granular about it. How much does a Republican, from your mind, have to overcome with regard to Dean Skellis' conviction?
1: I, I wish we had more time because I would have, uh, I have a little bit of a different feeling. I think that Kate had a very, had a tough, tough campaign more related to who she was versus, versus uh, how a gets played off the issue of I'm not a politician, I'm a prosecutor. I think Oyster Bay also a little bit different because while Vendito had a very close race, the rest of the council seats won overwhelmingly. And so I think corruption is going to play a role. I think that's why the Republicans need to think long and hard on who they nominate for this seat. And somebody farther away from the Republican Party apparatus, you know, plucking somebody out you know, who might fit a particular demographic, but not an elected official, may be a smart way to go for the Republicans. Because I can, you know, the Democrats will certainly make corruption the issue. They've already started doing that in other places across the state, tying uh, incumbent state senators to Senator Skellos. You know, it's not hard for Republicans to do the same thing. And so having a candidate say a pox on both houses, I have nothing to do with you know, politics as usual, you know, could be, you know, a factor. At the end of the day, somebody who's going out to vote on April 19th is more likely than not going to be a prime voter. You know, they vote in presidential primaries. They care about their party. They're going to care about electing somebody as their presidential nominee. That may, may go into the favor of the Republicans. It comes down to, are the independents angry enough that on corruption that the Democrats can pull them out and say, you elect a Republican, you're, you're supporting corruption. You elect a Democrat, you're cleaning up things. Um, I think right now, in De- on December 17th, we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I'd be happy to come back in your, uh, on your uh, phone in March and April. And we could talk about this more, and we'll see where, where it's going.
0: Sure, absolutely. I appreciate the, uh, the likelihood. And and very quick last question. Yes or no, does Jeff Klein and the IDC continue their coalition with the Republicans going forward?
1: I get to say, I don't know. I, I don't know too early. That
0: wasn't to... one of the, cho- that wasn't one of the choices, right? <laughs> Craig, Craig Johnson, former state Senator from Long Island, a Democrat and now with the law firm of Denton's. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we, I, we will definitely take you up on the invitation uh, or the offer for coming back on the show in the very near future.
1: Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. You too. You too.
0: And want to now get the view from the other side. Have one, Happy to have, once again, Jessica Proud, uh, now the spokeswoman for the New York State Republican Party. Give us some perspective. And I want to continue with the same theme, Jessica. We were talking about the proposed special election in Nassau County to replace the seat of Dean Skelos, who who was convicted. Uh, The matter is still on appeal. But that seat potentially has the possibility of tipping the balance of power in the New York State Senate. Uh, So, therefore, it's a very important seat statewide and and beyond, potentially. Jessica, welcome back to Spin Class. Thanks, Michael. Great to be with you. So, let's talk for a second about the the view from the party, from the party's view with regard to the seat in Nassau County. Is the GOP, are the Republicans confident of holding this seat and keeping their Long Island 9 intact? That means nine state senators representing Nassau and Suffolk counties.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, it's no question going to be a battle. You know, all eyes are um, going to be on this election. Um, that, That, you know, holds true for every special election because it's usually, you know, either the only one or one of a couple that's happening at the time. So it tends to get a lot of focus, a lot of money gets poured in from both sides. And clearly, uh, just given all of the news surrounding this, it will be, there will be a lot of attention on this. So it, I think it will be a bloody battle. I think it will be an expensive battle. And I've heard some great names being men- mentioned on the Republican side. But I, I do agree with what uh, former Senator Johnson said, that I think it's going to be really critical for whoever the candidate is um, to come out front and, and really adopt a uh, reform agenda. And I think, um, you know, term limits, uh, suspending pensions for corrupted politicians—a lot of these issues that have been floated in the past—I uh, think people that are widely supported by people, I think they're going to want to hear what's to be done. But you know, you have to remember this isn't an open and shut case for Democrats. They had one of their own most prominent and powerful members uh, be convicted on corruption charges as well. So it, it cuts both ways, and I think. You know, the, the Senate leadership might have to give a little bit of leeway to sort of go after Alti and go after the system, and have a candidate that's really going to be seen as a maverick and independent.
0: So, is that possible? Is it possible that somebody who's running to continue, you know, the the control of the institution, uh, or that you know, that party's control of the institution? To kind of run against them at the same time? I mean how as a as a communications pro, how would how would you go ahead and make that message to the public? That's a very interesting message.
2: Yeah, I think you just have to really go out there and talk about it and not be afraid of the blowback. And you have seen that with a lot of the newer candidates. You know, when Lee Zeldin went into the Senate, Fresh Face, Tom Croce now. You know, so Long Islanders are used to that. You know, they're they're starting to see some turnover and some new fresh faces and I think um, I think the candidates that have done that have done very well Um, and you know another point is that Mandela really knows how to turn out the vote and like uh, Senator Johnson was saying April 19th the only people that are going out to vote are people that pay very close attention to politics so the NASA county or Republican organization is very strong um, you know, they, they did have a loss in November with the DA race, but they are used to turning their people out, so that should not be uh, diminished.
0: Now, how confident are we that the election or the special election is going to be called for April 19th? And let me remind the audience, April 19th is significant, as was mentioned before, because it is the primary day, presidential primary day. We've talked about this on the show before, that in a single year of 2016, we have presidential primary day, you have congressional primary day, then you have other election primary day in September, and then the general election Uh, New York, you know, in in fairness, can't get its act together when it comes to elections. I think it's pretty clear. But uh, aside from that editorial, are we confident that that's going to be the day, that that's going to happen, that there's going to be a special election call for April 19th? What are you hearing on that?
2: Yeah, I think it's a pretty safe that The governor um, has shown a reluctance to hold multiple different elections. He often cites the cost of holding the elections. Um, and he hasn't been a huge fan of specials to begin with, but I, d- I don't think they can wait until November on this one. And there's already, like you said, going to be other elections going on, so it makes sense to do this on the same day. So I think that's a pretty safe bet.
0: Okay, Jessica, let's let's talk a little bit beyond the well as an extension of that. April 19th, as Craig Johnson uh, mentioned would be a potentially competitive Republican primary here in New York, uh, which is something we don't generally see. We don't usually see the presidential race coming to New York in a, aside from people to, you know, turn on that New York ATM. But now potentially candidates will be coming here to campaign in order to get the trove of delegates that New York has. Uh, tell us about, you know, a, as from the state party's perspective, or, you know, what's the expectation? I mean, are we expecting it to go the distance? And what do you see as the dynamics right now as an appeal to New York voters? Uh, There's a lot of different Republicans. There's Long Island Republicans. There are upstate Republicans. But one thing that a lot of people don't realize, because it's known as a blue state, that New York has a lot of Republicans.
2: We do, and it's going to be a very exciting time, I think. And it was actually a very shrewd move on uh, the part of the chairman uh, to, to set the date uh, at that time because there's going to be virtually an entire month uh, where candidates are going to, uh, be between the last primary and New York's primary. So I think you will see a lot of candidates coming in. We are a delegate-rich state, so I think there is going to be a lot of competition to get those delegates, and we're winner-take-all now, so uh, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of excitement here between March and, and April 19th. So I'm excited for it. I think you know, New, Yorkers, New York Republicans kind of get the shaft on that, you know, other than if you can you know, pay your dollars to go to a dinner. So it, it'll be really good for the rank and file.
0: So you're expecting the GOP candidates, uh, those that are left in, you know, after March, to be spending quite a bit of time in New York uh, going, uh, going out even you know, to events on a local basis?
2: Yeah, and a number of them have started to come here. Obviously, they're here for fundraising, but um, Jeb Bush did an event in Manhattan that was free and open um, to all the Manhattan Republicans. And I think Rubio's done something. um, You know, Walker, when he was still in the race, had spent a lot of time here last year helping uh, Rob Astorino, Governor Perry as well. So I think New Yorkers have had some... Introduction to the candidates, they're obviously whittling down, as we've seen. And I, I do think over the holidays, you'll see that field shrink um, a little bit more as well. But uh, but I think they're going to be traveling all over. I think you'll see a lot of them upstate, perhaps out on Long Island. They won't just be in Manhattan to raise money.
0: Okay, so let's shape up where we haven't had the last debate of the 2015 uh, campaign. Of course, it's hard to say that this campaign... I mean, it's hard to imagine this campaign has been going on for so long at this point. But uh, it's... Where where do things stand from your perspective? As a Northeastern Republican, uh, you know, where do, where do things stand as far as the race is shaping up?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's fair to say that the race is still wide open. I mean, I don't think the debate the other night really was a game changer in any way, I think, as far as the polls go. It'll probably uh, everyone will probably be in about the same position. I think you might see Christie get a little bit of a bump. He's certainly on the ascent in New Hampshire, which you know that the electorate there is a more Northeast Republican, moderate Republican. Um, you know, but but uh, Iowa is always going to be a very conservative caucus. It's a it's a different process, obviously, with the caucus, but they're always going to select a more conservative. Um, a candidate there but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to end up as the nominee and you know where we where we were four and eight years ago i mean four years ago we were talking about newt gingrich who was ahead in the polls at this point so i do think the race is still wide open anything can happen but the debate the other night i thought was the first time that the candidates really started to uh exposed some of the differences they have on the policy issues, which I thought was great for voters. Um, and it was such a contrast to the Democratic debate, which was painful to watch. I mean, they were, you know, it was should have just basically been Hillary standing up there. Um, and and they made it, it virtually impossible for people to see on a Saturday night. But uh, I thought it was a really good exchange of ideas, and, and you start to see some of the differences, although maybe some of them or nuanced, they are important ones. So I think that's overall good for voters who are trying to narrow in and select their candidate.
0: And uh, Jessica, who is the favorite son of New York? Is it George Pataki or Donald Trump?
2: Well, George Pataki was a three-term governor here. Um, clearly, you know, overwhelmingly re- elected by, by Republicans for three terms. So that's nothing to, to see that. Donald Trump has been here, you know, has been a businessman in New York a long time. Not so much part of the political fabric. Always um, has has a long history of donating to some Democrats and supporting Democrats too. So he wasn't really part of the the Republican Party, I think, in New York the way obviously our governor was, you know, a three-term governor. But um, I think you're going to see, I you know, we we have such a diverse state. So I think you're going to see support for. For all different candidates, I'm hearing a lot of uh, support for Rubio these days, a lot of the county chairs, and um, some of the committee members are really liking what he has to say and um, and think that he would be a very strong candidate in the general election as well. So, I, you know, I think um, there's su- there's support for all the candidates in different pockets of the state.
0: Okay, Jessica Proud, spokeswoman for the New York State Republican Party, Uh Kind of handicapping uh, uh, the race as it is, as well as looking forward to April 19th, which has the possibility of being both a very important special election, as well as the a competitive, unusually competitive Republican presidential primary coming up. That's right before Passover for the listeners out there. So if you are a registered Republican or is it too late to register as a Republican for that primary, Jessica? Uh, I
2: believe it is. Yeah, I think the cutoff was in October.
0: Wow, that's uh double. That, well, you got to register so far in advance in order to vote uh, in New York. Another problem, we'll have to talk about that at a different time. Jessica, thanks for joining us here once again on Spin Class.
2: Thank you, Michael. Happy holidays.
0: You too. And uh, just a closing note, I got an email from my good friend Avi Schick about a... Uh, also at Denton's, wow, we'll talk about coincidence, uh, about a case, uh, just an incredible case written about in the Wall Street Journal today about a local dentist, Gershon Pincus, who uh, decided he wanted at 60 years old to retire from civilian life and go uh, be a dentist for the armed forces. Uh, Apparently, he needed a security clearance, and they denied his security clearance, and the reason was because he calls his mother, sister, and brother in Israel. That was actually the listed reason in denying him a security clearance that he might be manipulated or induced to help a foreign person, group, organization, or government in a way that is not in the U.S. interests or is vulnerable to pressure or coercion by foreign interests. Uh, Folks, I have family in Israel, immediate family. This is shocking. This is un-American. This is about as un-American as not allowing Muslims in the country. That's it. Stay tuned for – Jew in the city speaks with Allison Josephs here on the Nahum Siegel Network. See you next week.